Pakistani President and major U.S. ally Pervez Musharraf swore in Yusuf Raza Gilani as the country's new prime minister yesterday. The much-anticipated parliamentary elections this February resulted in a coalition government between Gilani's Pakistan People's Party and the Muslim League, as well as two smaller parties occupying a total of two-thirds of the seats in parliament. The parliament voted 264 to 42 for Gilani in a move expressing a broad sentiment against Musharraf, who has been a key U.S. ally in the so-called war on terror. Gilani was a longtime aide to ex-Prime Minister Benazir Bhutto, who was killed last December as she campaigned for the elections. In one of his first acts as Prime Minister, Gilani ordered the release of Chief Justice Iftikhar Mohammad Chowdhury and other judges detained by Pervez Musharraf during last year's tumultuous nationwide protests and Musharraf's ensuing de- declaration of a state of emergency. After meeting recently with U.S. Deputy Secretary of State John Negroponte, Muslim League leader Nawaz Sharif announced yesterday that the new government would review Pakistan's role in the U.S.'s war on terror. My guests are Ali Ehsan, lawyer and son of leading dissident Ehsan, Ehsan, uh, who is a president of the Supreme Court Bar Association, and Farhat Haq, Pakistani-American teaching at Monmouth College. She's an expert on political Islam, women and Islam, and contemporary Pakistani politics. Welcome to Uprising, Ali and Farhat. Thank you. Ali, I'd like to begin with you. Uh, Your father was one of uh, the many judges that were detained last year. Has he now been released? Yes, he was released after approximately four months in detention on March 3rd. And uh, has uh, so he preceded the re- release of the judiciary by a couple of weeks. His release, and he was released at the same time as most of the other leaders of the lawyers' movement were released. And what do you think this move represents, Bagilani? Uh The release of the judges. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's certainly extremely welcome. Now, it's int- I. Of course, one can say that there was no other alternative. Any government would have, I would have hoped, would have done this because the judges were being essentially kept in a private prison, and it is still astounds me the pettiness of the previous government under General Musharraf, who even after the election results, for no reason whatsoever except apparent pettiness, refused to release the judges after, despite the passage of four and a half months. And what they did do, in, in effect, was supply a publicity coup to the new government because instead they might have tried to earn some points by releasing the judges last week. It would have made no difference, but perhaps Musharraf could have taken credit for it. Uh, instead, he refused to do so till the last minute, and it was up to the new government of the first act, which was made sense, and everyone had said that they would do that. They, re- they ordered the release of the judges, and it sort of helped the government start out on a positive note. Mm. Uh, Farhat Haq, who is... Uh Gilani, who is Yusuf Raza Gilani, and what does his prime ministership now mean for President Musharraf? Well, Yusuf Raza Gilani uh, yeah, was a speaker in 1990s under uh, the, the first Benazir Bhutto government. Um, he had been a part of uh, Muslim League Nawaz group first, and then he switched over to the People's Party. Uh, he's somebody who had been very cl- close to Asif Zardari. Uh, in fact, he was and in that's prison. Benazir Bhutto's that, widower. That's right. That, that's Benazir's widower. And he was put in prison for about five years uh, under Musharraf uh, uh, with the charge that he had put too many people on his payroll uh, while he was a speaker of the assembly. Um, uh, 
his uh, becoming a prime minister, really what it means is that he's holding the plates uh, for Asif Zardari. Um, as you know, that there was a contending candidate, Bakhtoum uh, Amin Fahim, who had been uh, the leader of uh, the People's Party while Benazir Bhutto was in exile, and so he was the senior most leader. And uh, the general expectation was that he will become the prime minister, uh, but that did not happen. Um, and I think that 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 is problematic for some people because what it shows is that, uh, in fact, there is possibility of uh, People's Party fracturing uh, in future. Uh, and uh, and also what it shows is that Asif Zardari is. Uh, uh, quite keen on taking full charge, and perhaps uh, also very soon once he runs for a supplemental election and becomes a member of parliament, to then become the prime minister. And just for our listeners, the prime minister in Pakistan wields a lot more power than the president, unlike here in the United States where we don't have a prime minister and really the president is, is commander-in-chief. Well, but that's uh, now going to become a very interesting question mm-hmm. because Pakistan is a parliamentary system, and so the prime minister is... Uh, uh, constitutionally supposed to wield uh, most power, uh, but first under uh, General Ziaul Haq, uh, another military dictator uh, in the late ni- uh, 1970s, 1980s, uh, that was changed. Uh, he, as a president, had made uh, some constitutional amendment in order to t- grab more power. And now the, the interesting question would be, uh, given that Musharraf was very used to wielding uh, uh, power as the president uh, because the prime ministers uh, for the last uh, seven, eight years had really been people who just went along with uh, what Michelle wanted. Now that we have elected parliamentary uh, truly elected parliament and a more legitimate prime minister, I think that will be one of the things to watch in terms of how this power sharing goes. uh, in the near future. Ali Hassan, I'd like to get your opinion on some of the things that Farhat has been discussing, but also just uh, stepping back, uh, although these elections have signaled an out with the old, it's also not necessarily in with the new, because most of these characters, Asif Ali Zardari and Yusuf Raza Gilani, Nawaz Sharif, these are all characters from uh, Pakistan's past who have who are experienced uh, political um, uh, figures, and, and many of them not with the cleanest of pasts either. Yes. Well, that's that's something that is being bandied about by critics of the current dispensation. That uh, now w- there are a few things to observe in this. One of them is the the sheer hollowness of Musharraf's years of rule, in which he, the one thing that he tried above everything else was to get rid of these old leaders. He had expressed on many occasions utter contempt for them. Uh, it only seems to raise their pop- popularity amongst the masses. Hmm. Now, the second point on that is the the whole artificial cleansing by a military ruler who himself is not representative of the people and doesn't derive popular authority is not a way that you can suppress popular leaders, whether they're corrupt or not. The only way to get these, move on and get new leadership is through a continued exercise in democracy in which people are allowed to vote out, vote in and vote out their representatives. Unless you give them that closure, unless you have people voting out people, you know, the same old people will be able to, tried and trusted people, whether discredited, will be able to come back and claim that you were never given a chance, that they were deposed and and then, as we see, it happens again. Now, the other point on, on this to be made is that People seem to forget that a democracy does not aim to have saints in positions of leadership. That is not a purpose of a representative government. The purpose of a democratic representative government is to get hopefully good people, but ultimately the choices of the people, whether they are corrupt or not. 
Instead, what a democracy aims with these people is to have checks and balances which, which even limit the worst people from doing damage or indulging in corruption, which is essentially what the lawyers' movement is about. The lawyers' movement is about the upholding the judiciary and, by association, the media, so that they can act as important checks on the excesses of the government. Now, these were not there under Musharraf or in earlier governments, but with the rise, hopefully, of an independent judiciary, if it is restored, with the rise of the independent media, we can have the same old faces in, in, in around, as some people say, the same old crooks, perhaps, if they, by their saying. However, there is, there, are, there is a new sheriff in town with the media and the judiciary who will then prevent these people from doing the kind of things that they perhaps were accused of in the past. Now, Ali, what do you think of Musharraf's position? I mean, he is now caught in a very interesting position with the uh, U.S.'s, uh, you know, having been a dictator uh, in Pakistan, uh, primarily supported by the U.S., and now facing uh, this uh, democratic uh, uh, wave uh, and a new parliament. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I, I'm one of those people who who thought that the honorable thing for Musharraf to do long, long ago was to resign. And by his own declared intent, uh, on several occasions, he said he would leave. He said he was popular. He would leave if he ever thought he was unpopular. And the election results are the most definitive conclusion on that. Now, unfortunately, uh, he's clinging to power, and it seems, with, uh, as you, uh, you may know, uh, at this current moment in time, the Deputy Secretary of State, American Deputy Secretary of State, and the Assistant Secretary of State, Negro Ponte and Richard Boucher, are both in Pakistan meeting with the new government. And one of the items that's rumored that they're pushing is, is to, to encourage cohabitation with Musharraf and to encourage Musharraf, the coalition to keep Musharraf on and work with Musharraf. Now, it, it's sort of one of those things which will, will I suspect, lead, lead to another crisis. As, as Farhat mentioned, Musharraf is not used to sharing power. He never has. That's the whole ethos of an army man. As he always said, unity of command was his mantra for the last eight years. And, and so right now, because he's beaten down and, and, and has been slapped around by the election results, he's making, he has no option but to make conciliatory noises. That's the only way he can even hope to hang on to power. But the moment he has time to regroup, he will try and assert his authority, and it would be very damaging and would lead to a showdown with the government. So to me, it seems untenable that he can stay on, but, but the United States certainly doesn't realize that, and Musharraf himself doesn't seem to realize that. I'm speaking with Ali Ahsan. He is a lawyer and the son of leading dissident Etazaz Ahsan, uh, who was recently released along with most of the judges that have been detained in Pakistan. Also, Farhat Haq. Uh, she is a Pakistani-American teaching at Monmouth College. Farhat, let's talk about what lies next for the U.S. Uh, following up on what Ali was saying with Negroponte and Richard Boucher in Pakistan right now, where do you think this new Pakistani government is going to turn, uh, given some of the rumblings, uh, particularly from Nawaz Sharif? Um, well, um, I think that it's important to keep in mind that uh, uh, there, there will not be a drastic change uh, as far as uh, the de determination of the government to uh, take on radical Islamist groups and, because they, they are doing tremendous damage to Pakistan. And, and actually, so let me interrupt you and ask you uh, briefly, how did uh, many of the Islamic parties fare in the election? 
Uh, yes, I think that's another very important point because they have really not done well at all. Uh, they, uh, uh, I think, lost most of their uh, – because in northwest frontier provinces where they had previously had quite uh, – um, uh, quite a few seats. I don't recall exact number, but but in this uh, election they have lost most of their popularity. So it's been a clear mandate against uh, Islamic parties this time around. Uh, and so what that does is it sort of uh, I think says a couple of important things that somehow do not always get through to the American press and American public. Uh, the first thing that it says is that indeed majority of the the, the Pakistanis uh, are not interested in. Uh, some sort of a uh, radical Islamic um, uh, state. Or, or, uh, uh, secondly, what it uh, says is that uh, uh, the, the uh, democratic process, uh, if it, uh, as Ali had mentioned earlier, if it is uh, allowed to continue, what it would do is really um, uh, be, it, that would be the best solution uh, for uh, addressing the problem of extremism in Pakistan or elsewhere. I mean, you know, I, I have to say if there's one thing that I finally agree with <laughs> President uh, uh, Bush, it is that, in fact, yes, democracy in the long run is the only answer for the Muslim world. Uh, the only issue is that we cannot bring about democracy by by invading uh, countries. So, um, um, but, but, the, but Bush administration has embraced democracy when it's, been, when it's exactly. yielded convenient right. results. Right. Now, the question is, have these results in Pakistan, are they going to be Convenient enough for the Bush administration, and, and that you know, this is again uh, shows. I mean, it's in some ways it's interesting. Both Bush and Musharraf has shown some stubbornness uh, that has been extremely counterproductive for their uh, respective countries. Uh, so here, I think one of the reasons that that Negroponte has has uh, gone and visited and uh, trying to broker this kind of uh, 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 cohabitation is because Bush has really made um, Musharraf his his guy. He feels that Musharraf has been loyal to him, and you know. Bush has this sort of a kind of a cowboy mentality where you, you the person who's been loyal to you, you, you never give up on that. And so it seems to me that until we have a new American administration, uh, the, the White House is going to continue to push to sort of for this formula of cohabitation. Uh, but because there's going to be a change of administration here soon, um, I think that that's not a long term and it's not a very viable strategy because what also Musharraf has shown is that he does not have that kind of a political flexibility to really uh, um, give up uh, some of his uh, um, power and and uh, so it seems to me that that this is a very short term thing things will change but but the important point here uh, i think also is that uh, in sort of a longer term future uh, of how we uh, take on uh, uh, radical Islam or, or fight, you know, war against terror, etc. What it really shows is that we have to, to work with democratic forces. Mm. Um, I want to uh, finally turn to Ali Hassan and ask you what your thoughts are on the future of Pakistan um, and particularly what the plans are for the lawyers' movement. And, you know, given the, the terrible wave of suicide attacks in Pakistan over this past year and its proximity to Afghanistan, which, uh, you know, a, a recent um, statement by a general in the Northwest Frontier province basically uh, was that the West has failed in Afghanistan and so a lot of the violence has spilled over to Pakistan. You know, can the situation in Pakistan and the future of Pakistan uh, be promising if there is this uh, intense war going on right across the border? Well, uh, to, to turn to the, the, the 
war on terrorism in Pakistan and, and the current spate of suicide bombings, that's worried everyone in Pakistan, and it's been alarming in its rise in recent, in the past year and in recent months especially. But what is hopeful is that the current, the new government, incoming government, has signaled that it will adopt a more holistic policy on it than the simple let's bomb them out of existence approach followed by General Musharraf and uh, his backers in the American administration. I mean, that that approach was clearly not working. And while the current government has said that it will, of course, use military means where, where necessary, it will also try and talk to these people and try and distinguish between its own citizens and all the foreign uh, extremists who have perhaps made a home in the tribal areas of Pakistan. And we're hoping that this policy of engagement uh, so, sort of a speaks, like, at least speak, not softly, but at least speak and then carry a big stick, that sort of an approach can perhaps address the rise in, in violence within Pakistan and hopefully stem it and, and also be more of a long-term solution. In terms of the lawyers' movement, the, the incoming government has said that it uh, has proclaimed that it will restore the judges within 30 days. The clock started essentially yesterday when the prime minister took office. Now, the lawyers are uh, now General Musharraf and, and Potentially, the Americans are trying their best to prevent that from happening. And at, the, at present, it's a question to the lawyers are waiting to see if the new government does restore the judges. And if the new government does restore the judges, I think the lawyers will probably try and they, they've exhausted from a year, over a year of struggle. They will try and move on and go back to courts uh, and, and resume their normal lives. But if that doesn't happen, then I just see more an unending confrontation in Pakistan with the lawyers again taking in force to the streets, the new government being sort of split apart because they're parts of the coalition who are extremely in favor of the judges being restored, and, and th that might fracture the coalition. So I, so I think that would be more stalemate and deadlock if an un instability, if the government doesn't go through with restoring the judges. But if it does, I see a process in which the government can move forward and address many other pressing problems, such as extremism and terrorism, but also inflation and, and, ener and ener a growing energy crisis. Mm. Ali, Hassan, Farhat Haq, thank you both so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Ali Ehsan is a lawyer and uh, son of the leading dissident lawyer Ehtazaz Ehsan and uh, Farhat Haq, a Pakistani-American teaching at Monmouth College, an expert on political Islam, women in Islam, and contemporary Pakistani politics.